But what are the what is the other word when it's not when there's white people and the rest are just black, Mexican, and Chinese? Diversity, sensitivity, okay. and diversity. Yes. Yes, that is that's correct. That's how I remember <laughs> shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> gotta paint pictures, big dog. Hundred percent. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, more like, wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. We use Mint Mobile at the office, and we have been saving so much money since switching over, and setting up on Mint Mobile's website was super easy. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash bears. That's mintmobile.com slash bears. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash bears. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three months plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Que onda pelotudos? We're back. Two bears, dos osos. And thankfully, the big fat stinky bear is gone. Hibernating somewhere in that's, Serbia. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hibernating in Serbia. And I'm so happy to have uh, Felipe Esparza here. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. What's yeah. up, fool? What's up, fool? It's un placer. <laughs> it's so good to see you, man. It's always fun to see you. You make me laugh like crazy. Um, this has been a wild, wild as fuck past 15 months or whatever. Yes, man. Yeah. Like, I, w- I always wonder about, because sometimes, you know, you... You get used to like, we get used to seeing each other kind of, you know, you pull in the parking lot at the store, haha, improv, whatever. You get on that routine. And then some people, like with this pandemic, you're like, oh, I didn't see this dude for like a year. Like, I didn't see you for like a year, yeah. maybe longer. Because um, I remember we were doing, I remember I saw you, we did the improv, that little room next door. Yes. We did Spanish sets. Spanish there, sets. Like a month before everything locked down. And then we did a show either with, I think um, the show they do at the comedy store, yeah. Sam Tripoli or Skylar Stone, one of those shows. One of those shows. Like. Okay. Yeah. And that was, but that was like real close to things shutting down. Right? Yes. Like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't talked to you or seen you since then, man. Yes, man. I started, I was in my last show before the pandemic with a, a Spanish show at the Ice House. Yeah. With Paul Rodriguez and they're the comedian that does Spanish. I don't know his name, but he wears like a clown goof, a clown scary mask. El Platanito? No. <laughs> That that's scary. It's scary hair. <laughs> <laughs> this guy really? wears like a he wears like like a the wrestler Slipknot type of mask almost. Really, but he has purple hair and he talks super super uh, fast Spanish. Yeah, but his fans know what he's saying. Uh huh. But that was my last show in Spanish. But before that, I did a show in Washington at the some casino in Yakima. Uh huh. That's during when when everybody was dying in Kirkland, Washington, which was two hours away. And that was at the very beginning, beginning of it? Beginning, bro. Beginning. And then you did you know after that, you're like, oh, shit's done. We're done. Like, I was already talking about it on stage. Yeah. Because of my opener, the guy I work with, he's a headliner also, um, Jay Lamont. Uh-huh. He's from Def Jam. He does beatboxing. Like, ba da ba dum da ba dum da ba dum and then he does a whole 30 minutes of ba da ba dum and then he sings. <laughs> he's spitting, man. 
don't want to talk about his breath, but I worked with him before the pandemic, and when I got that microphone, it smelled like the <laughs> trash can at the fisherman wharf, you know? <laughs> Yeah. But he's spitting everywhere, man. <laughs> everywhere. Bro, and, um, sharing mics is gro- like, gross now. I got my own mic now, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even But even before all this shit went down, I mean, have you ever like smelled a mic head? Like, especially at a stand-up show, at a showcase show where there's like eight people on the mic, it fucking smells like Reeks. an asshole. Yeah, it's disgusting. Then you got to follow a comedian unless we do the, the very physical blowjob joke. Oh, yeah. Ah, and they, <laughs> yeah, and they always like, they put their mouth on the mic. Or... You're in the back, and like you know, if you watch the sides of some comedians when they talk, yeah, they get up close, they're spitting, yes, you know, like Joe Diaz, man, yeah, like, blah, blah, blah. yeah. and then the motherfucker came blah, through, blah, blah, blah. and I'm trying to spits flying all and over you the can, place. You, you got a microphone, you got to baptize people with it, man, <laughs> yeah, <at the> church. <laughs> it's so nasty. Just into a Gallagher show. <laughs> so I was already talking about it because he really spits on the mic like. Hardcore beatboxing, beatboxing, sure. and he sings. And that was one of the things that in the, in the beginning of the pandemic, I, I read that a lot of people were getting pen, um, sick at the at the operas. Really? Because the, the whole chorus was singing. Oh, and all that music was traveling all over the room, mm-hmm. killing people. I guess <laughs> the music killed everybody. But I don't understand how that was bad. Uh-huh. You know that was bad, but. 200 people laughing together was okay. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point, man. So strange, though. That so. was my first show in Oklahoma City at the Bricktown Comedy Club. How long ago? When did you do it? Okay, late August, early August or late July. Okay. That was my first show from, oh, wow. March, from March to July, August, no work. Yeah. Mine was like, I think I did September, maybe. One of the. I, and it was weird, bro. Like, they had a guy. Dressed up almost like like a Ghostbuster mm-hmm. before the show, and he was spraying the whole place. Really, he was spraying like he had a machine. He was spraying, and they were wiping down. It was like you had to wait thirty minutes for them to clean. Uh-huh. But next door at the at some concert hall next door, there was a comedian. Oh, uh, not comedian, a country singer singer named Toby Keith. No, Toby something now. Cody Dylan. Okay, or Cody something, and um. His his show was sold out, uh-huh. like 300 people. And it was at the beginning of the pandemic, man, July, August. And he had a big old fucking line, no masks. Some people, <laughs> no masks. Yeah. No temperatures. He had a, he had a tour bus. He had a merch bus. He had like four, three buses <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> the no, the no, no mask tour. I don't know. The no mask tour. No, they said there was a problem in uh, Oklahoma City for a while of... Uh, Maybe it was in the whole state of no one wanting to wear masks, and and the the rates kept, you know, the the transmission rates kept going up. So they didn't care there, man. My next, I don't know if you know the club. There's, there's the medicinal marijuana shop next door to the Bricktown Comedy Club. I didn't remember that Oklahoma. Yeah. So we're we're walking with our masks in the city, and there were these three dudes, man, like big old. Big old white dude with long hair. Mm-hmm. They recognize us. What's up, fool? <laughs> and he passed me his bowl. And <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> and I said, um, oh, man, you know Rodrigo Torres? <laughs> you know, my yeah. co-host from the park. Oh, yeah, what's up? Yeah, man. And I just left him there, bro, and I kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he, when, when I saw him again, what happened? He goes, oh, man, that guy picked me up, gave me a big hug. <laughs> he, he wanted me to hit his bowl, call me a pussy because they didn't want to hit it. <laughs> 
And he's at the show right now. Big old country fed fucking. Oh, that's hilarious, man. Here, wear my hat. <laughs> did you did you get like super bummed out when we were shut down? Like when there was no stand up? March, yeah. April, May. I don't know what we're going to do, man. Yeah. My whole life revolves around stand up comedy. Yeah. Every single day, like I wake up. I think about, okay, I got two days left. I'm going to see these people for three more days. Yeah. Don't start a fight. <laughs> I mean, I, it get, some people get like depressed over it, though. I got kind of bummed out. You get cabin fever, man. Yes. Like you want to go back. And you forget that that's a drug for you, too. The yeah. Like doing the shows is like a dopamine drip, right? And like when it gets cut off, at first you're like, all right. But after a while, you're like, oh, I guess I need that. Like I need that. I need that, man. Like when I first got there... Comfort, comfort, and kiss me, you old bitch. Yeah, yeah. I, felt, I smelled the hotel blankets, man. I thought I was home again. Man. Yeah, yeah. Being on it's, it's familiar, man. People don't. I I tell people all the time that um, what I'm most accustomed to is touring, like traveling. I'm used to being gone two weeks of every month for over a decade. So being home all the time feels weird. Especially you know? if you don't know how to manage your time at home and the road. Yeah. And a lot of people can't. A lot. A lot of comedians were getting divorced. Yeah. They can't. They can't manage it. Yeah, they you're right. They can't manage They don't know how to be a dad at home. Yep. Uh, or their wives, too. They don't know how to see the motherfucker all day. <laughs> yeah. I had to see this one motherfucker all the time, man. <laughs> like, I had she to do chores. There. Yeah, dude. And then she started, she knew that something that I'm not being you know this i'm not the same so she would be like why don't you just go out she's just like just leave go drive or something and i'd be like okay because <laughs> after a while i was like i mean i just didn't know what to do at home man you know like you get through the the the, the, the normal stuff for a while but man when week after week adds up i'm fucking losing my mind that's why i'm so excited to go on tour just because it feel that feels more normal to go and come back yeah it feels great to um go and come back that's the best part man coming back yeah and then leaving again yeah 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 like, I, and i know when i'm around too much because when i'm around like if i by the second week that i'm home christina will usually be like so when are you going on the road again like soon i want it to be soon like she'll ask me to leave you know <laughs> and um the, uh, my dogs i have two dogs two mm -hmm. um pet bulls and um, they got used to me being home all day. Yeah. That's one thing about that. People, animals. They oh, got yeah. Used to they do get being yes, home. Yes, yes. So my dog knows all my movements now. Mm -hmm. He knows if I start brushing my teeth, I'm leaving. He starts going, Yeah, as you brush. They start, yeah. yeah, as I brush, they start blocking the door. <laughs> you know, everybody starts stopping me on the way home. Mm -hmm. My wife is popping my tires. <laughs> <laughs> Does she like, she likes having you home. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I like being home, but I like being uh, away a lot. Yeah, man. We're the same with that. Like, I think everybody that tours for a while, you get used to it. You just feel like that's what feels like a regular time, leaving and going, leaving and going. Yeah, man. Even like um, when people say, oh, I don't like doing radio. I like doing radio. You do? Yeah. I bet, you're, I bet you've blown so many radio guys' minds, though, when they're like, like the first time they meet you, because you're such a unique, like, personality and style and they're like who's coming oh it's a comedian like okay and you come in i bet they're like who the fuck is this guy like i bet you've blown so many radio guys i know they're all quiet at first and sometimes they start like um talking about other stuff and i learned you know from one time um i was working with another comedian he was headlining and he was promoting his show on the radio 
but Margaret Cho had to promote her show too. Yeah. But she called in while he was on the show. Mm-hmm. And like, um, they tried to banter with her, you know, but she had to do like so many interviews. Mm-hmm. She just kept yelling out um, after every question they asked her, Margaret Show, Wilbur Theater. Mm-hmm. No, Margaret Show, Warfield Theater, 8 o'clock, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. And she just, and now she kept yelling it out. Uh-huh. And I learned from that that every time I don't like how the interview is going, Felipe Esparza will be at the improv Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You just keep saying it. Yeah, over and over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care, man. Yeah, who cares? Like, I was doing an interview one time with um in in Houston this is when, when I didn't know anything um Joe Diaz didn't go it was, it was me and him co-headlining mm-hmm. but I'm the only, only one to radio yeah and the uh, the um the radio guy was like oh white dude man like <laughs> oh white dude like kind of white dude like he sleep with a shotgun you know <laughs> yeah yeah like he had the name for a shotgun yeah but he started talking about he started like um promote his favorite restaurant for free on the show yeah you know, Felipe, you know, sometimes, you know, when I really get tired, I go have the margarita at this restaurant, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Then he starts talking about shotguns, you know. And he goes, you know, you know about shotguns, right? I'm pretty sure your people have shotguns. <laughs> I can now lay. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I say, I, say, I play along. No, 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 man, we don't have shotguns. You know how big a shotgun is instead of a car to shoot somebody? <laughs> we use pistols, sir. And we, we hold them sideways. <laughs> Did he love it? <laughs> he no, loved he it. just got quiet. He got quiet. <laughs> but we'll be at the improv, sir. <laughs> Friday, Saturday. Holy shit, man. They're I, not used to like seeing, they're like, they're used to seeing the Mexicans they see getting caught, you know, yeah, yeah. coming into the border. Yeah. You know, the short ones, you know? The little, yeah, yeah, not you big know, guys. They're not used to seeing the six foot ones when they've been here since the 70s. Bro. Right, right, right. <laughs> they kind of assimilated into uh, American culture yeah. while still having a Mexican culture also. Yeah, you're right. No, that's totally new, especially to like an old white dude. Yeah, he. those are the kind of guys that put everybody into one category. Like, you're black, you're like this. Yeah. You're Asian, you're like this. You're Mexican, you're like this. Unless they're a big fan of some light skin and somebody. Uh-huh. They'll be like, oh, but you're not like, what's his name? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I learned this radio trick, um, especially if it's not going well, from Greg Fitzsimmons, which is when... If like if you don't, especially if you don't like what's going on in there, you know, if you're like ah, I'm not feeling this right away, you just start asking them questions. Oh, so basically you just flip it on them. So you're like, yeah, but what's going on with you guys though? Because when we were at break, you said and you start asking that, and then a lot of times they'll just start answering it, and then sometimes they'll catch on. They'll be like, hey, what the fuck's going on? Why are you asking us questions, bro? I <laughs> and did, you're like, because I hate it here. <laughs> I did that without thinking yeah. on the Man Cow Show. Oh, really? Yes, I was perf- I was doing um. Uh, some club. Um, I was doing my own show with a guy named Mikey O uh-huh. in Chicago. He books a bunch of rooms. He, probably was, he, was, he was the first guy to take me to Chicago. Right. I did like a couple of colleges. This guy's real, real. He pays you when he takes you to the hotel room. Yeah. He gives you all the money in cash. Then he tells you to leave it here because we're going somewhere where my friends might rob you. <laughs> <laughs> For real? <laughs> For real. Like he'll take me to Cuban restaurants that are not even. They don't have a Cuban names on them, bro. They just say um, 70 miles. <laughs> there was a Cuban restaurant called 70 millas. Because well, why, is, why, is, why do they call 70 miles? Because how long it takes to swim from Cuba to Florida. Holy shit. Like 70 millas. 70 millas, yeah. And there's a name, there's a restaurant named yeah. that? 
And this dude would, would pay you and be like, leave your money here. Yeah. Because well, some of my friends might rob you. Yeah, we got a lot of hardcore Puerto Rican Mexican looking fools over there. <laughs> so this guy took me to a show, bro. He goes, me and some other comedian. He goes, we're going to do a show in Chicago. So we get to um, the, our room. It's in Chicago. But then we start driving like 40 minutes. He goes, I thought we were doing a show in Chicago. No, East Chicago, Indiana. You know, right. You're like, <laughs> that's, that's a little different. Like, we're passing Gary, man, and we get there, and like, all Mexican-American and Puerto Ricans, and they're all lawyers, because we're doing a show for uh, scholarships uh-huh. to get more Latinos into um, laws. Laws. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like you've got, I bet you even also blow minds of Latino people, though. Like. You know what I mean? You're so unique. Like, there's no, there's nobody. You're like, oh, that dude's just like, the, like you, you don't remind me of anyone. You yeah, know? man. Like when I was opening up for uh, Mike Epps. Yeah. I went on tour with Mike. You went Epps. on tour with Mike Epps. Mike Epps, uh, Ricky Smiley, DC Curry. Sometimes Michael Blackson will show up for one show, not all of them. Mm-hmm. And but it was Mike Epps show. And um, man, these guys. I thought, oh, man, these guys, like, I thought I was funny. I thought I killed, but I never had, like, everyone laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, man, like, Ricky Smiley, I don't know if you ever seen him perform on Def Jam or BET. This guy was doing, like, five minutes in between and getting a standing ovation in between. Oh, Jesus, man. And then he'll go up there with this, man. He'll start playing a rap. Yeah, that's him, man. Yeah. He's a super nice guy. And um, he'll, he'll start performing, bro, and... Like, I was hearing rap songs I never heard of, bro. And, like, he'll, he'll, put, he'll start singing Bone Crusher. Oh, my boy, around, I'm out here in the club, and they think I'm a punk. <laughs> and the whole audience saying, oh, I will never stop, never stop. And everybody, okay, y'all ready for your next comedian? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> How'd and you do on those shows? I did great, man. Yeah. I do my 15 minutes and yeah. leave, you know? Yeah. And, um... But uh, Mike Epps has a lot of friends, man. <laughs> like yeah, a lot, lot of, of people uh, back at those shows. I huh? st- I'm, I'm glad I started off not hanging out with people after the show, bro. Yeah, I can't be having like people calling me 20 minutes before the show trying to get in. No, five minutes before the show, or a family member, Felipe. I know it's, I know you're about to go up right now. Yeah, yeah. But my mom is across. Isn't the that the worst? The worst. The worst. I hate that. And I, I did show. I've done shows where, like now, I try to like give other people's not like sometimes they'll be like hey um i want to call about like when i when a when a show is getting set up they'll be like who's what's the contact info for for us to reach out to you and i'll give other people's phone numbers out you know i'll give out like the other comic on the show or tour man like i'll just be like contact everybody but me because i just don't want to get hit up sometimes you're like pre-show you know you're backstage and they'll be like your cousin's here and i'm like what do you mean my cousin's here and they're like your cousin somebody at the door saying your cousin i'm like i I haven't asked them at anybody to come. Just tell them no. And they'll be like, they say they're your cousin. I'm like, they're not. Just tell them to go away. For me, they try to get me like this, but I, I kind of cast on, you know, I don't do it no yeah. more. They try to give you the old gift before the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then let's hang out before the show. But then it's time for go to the show. You look at it, they look, they got that face like, can we go with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Can we go, por favor? Yeah, no. No, you can't. And I remember um, this comedian, he did a, um, a show for their kid who was dying, I guess, uh-huh. like a Make-A-Wish Foundation or something like that. 
the kid was there and the whole family was there. He invited them to dinner. He made the kid super happy. He died eventually. Mm-hmm. But then the whole family hit him up the next year. Um, is there any way we could uh, relive that moment? And I know our son died, but... Um, oh, fuck, man. And I'm like, I feel exactly. That's probably his reaction, man. For me, man, I get calls like, Felipe, is there any way we could get free tickets to your show, man? My mother died of coronavirus. My wife has lupus. My brother was killed in a drive-by shooting. Is there any way I could get free tickets? And I'm like, listen, bro, I don't feel comfortable bringing that bad luck to my show. <laughs> bro, you are going through some hardcore karma right now, and whatever you done, you probably deserve it, bro. You should be passing. You should be walking around giving out hugs, homie. <laughs> Stop trying to get free shit, bro. So, fuck that shit, bro. We can't have you on our show, bro. We can't have a fucking stage light following somebody while you're there, bro. <laughs> you're fucking the, You're the fucking Grim Reaper, man. Get out of here. <laughs> For real, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, man. I don't know, man. Dude, the uh, the like. I don't do Olympias, homie. Yeah. So sometimes in the comments too, they'll be like, "What? Like, what's up with some? What's up with some free shit? Like, can you send me this?" Um, we also do like these ticketed <coughs> streaming shows that are ten dollars, and I understand that's the like, hardcore one, right? That's the hardcore one. You need a bucket. Yeah, yeah. But people... $10 is good for that type of shit, bro. $10. But I'm saying that's a very accessible price. You know what I mean? Nothing. And I understand that like not like everybody has a different situation. But I get... Sometimes I get messages of people who are like, you know, it'd be cool to check this out if you uh, made this a little bit, you know what I mean? If it wasn't so expensive. I'm like, it's $10, is, man. It's some guy from Santa Cruz named Memes of Reality. <laughs> That's who's setting that comment. <laughs> this, guy does, this guy does more memes of two bears in one cave. Oh, memes of reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, he's, he's, all those meme people are hilarious. Hilarious. Man. I hung out with memes of reality, bro. Memes of reality. What is it? Oh, my Jesus. Uh, Necro. Oh, my Jesus. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. He's super funny. Chase Leopard. Uh, there's that comedy content collective. I think they, they, they yes. all. Dude. They, it's a they bunch of dudes who memes. live with their mom and hang out in couches, bro. Yeah. <laughs> For real, bro. All they wear is ho- these guys wear hoodies, bro. Yeah, wear sweats the whole. Time. I, I wear hoodies too, man. I can't but not, but that one fits, bro. <laughs> they they're oversized hoodies, bro. They look like monks, podcast monks. <laughs> There's like a uniform. Like they know more information about podcasts, dude. Than, yes, like you, you, like that was like 500 episodes ago. You just want to talk about it now? Yeah, they don't forget. Tom, I want to know about what really went down in 280. <laughs> and you're like, what? No, I've had people, you know, they bring up shit to you where you're like, what? And they're like, you said that. And then they go, well, I said that in like 2015, man. And they remember. They remember the exact storyline, what your parents said, what you, like, it's amazing. You forget, I think they do too, that they know everything about you and you know nothing about them. Nothing. Yeah. And they know everything about you. Everything you've put out for a decade. It's crazy. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. They get a beautiful gift and you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The only tricky part, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. This is what I recommend for any jewelry purchase. Source it from BlueNile.com. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer a peace of mind with every purchase with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions and give recommendations for every 
budget. The thing about buying jewelry is you really don't know what you're getting into. You don't know what you're looking at often. And the great thing about working with Blue Nile is you have somebody who's a true expert that can help guide you along the way so you don't feel lost, so you know what these diamond grades are, you know you're getting real value. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. And just in case you don't, they offer 30-day returns. Shop Blue Nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. Com. Is your beer fridge feeling a little empty? DoorDash is your door to beer without the run. Whatever drink you're in the mood for, they've got you. Order your alcohol with DoorDash today and drink in the savings. Use code BEARS24 to get 25% off, up to $15 value on a $35 minimum subtotal on your next alcohol order for eligible users only. I mean, there's like sometimes you just don't want to leave. That's me. Once we're at a spot and we're hanging out, I just don't want to leave. And now you don't have to. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. Beer, wine, mixers, mocktails, and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25%, up to $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code BEARS24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Or um, like like something on our podcast, we talk shit about other comedians, but in a fun way, you know? Yeah. And we know them, but these people don't know how long we've known them, you know? Right, like right. Forever, some yes. of these guys. Then they go over there and they go run over there and rat us out, bro. Like, yeah. like big viejas, bro. Like ladies, bro. <laughs> Men are the biggest gossipers. Forget about women. Yeah, you're I right. I never have no woman listen to my podcast and go talk shit about me, another podcast about me. It's always men. Men are the pettiest. Pettiest, Men, bro. Men are also the most jealous. Men men are like, like the amount of t- guys who have told me they're like, like, damn dog, you're ugly or whatever. You're like, what? <laughs> like, why are you telling me this, man? Why do you care? <laughs> they're like, you're ugly as fuck, bro. I know. What? I, or... You gotta watch out when you do a a, 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 st- a li- go live on your Instagram. Yeah, man, Felipe, man, how old are you, motherfucker? <laughs> Why are you trying to be young? Yeah, or when I oh, don't yeah. look, when I don't try to be young, you look old, eh? Uh, absolutely. Take, they're gonna be like, take your hat off. Why are you wearing this shit? And you're like, I don't know. I just grabbed it. That ain't for you. Like they're just telling you what to wear. Or the worst, so strange. Would you just there trying to be positive, say something, promote something? And- yeah. Somebody passes by, like or your wife or somebody, and they they stay there too long. Then they they gotta watch themselves get roasted live. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, by the fans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby, I think you should just turn around. Yeah, and leave you should, now. You probably leave the frame. Be hardcore, yeah, anyway. yeah. Or if you try to be like genuinely positive for a while, people will be like, "Is this a joke?" <laughs> You're like, "What?" <laughs> or or if you don't comment on their political views. Oh yeah. Or I thought you were Mexican. I th- yeah, how dare you? How dare you? You don't care about kids in cages? Yeah. You're like, bro, I care about everybody, bro. Go grab one. Eh? <laughs> go go, go, go save get one. one eh? Go save and one. If you go save one, I'll get two of them. Bro. <laughs> then they fucking, they go, oh man, you know, stick to comedy. Stick but to- then when you do get political, stick to comedy. Stick to comedy. Yeah, you can't win. You can't win. Which actually tells you that you should do exactly what you want to do and just ignore all that noise. You know what I mean? If you want to talk about something political, you should fucking talk about it. And who gives a fuck 
if somebody's telling you to stick to comedy. And if you want to stick to comedy, you should do that too. You should do whatever you want to do. Fuck those people. Or the worst is when one of your co co worker comedians, you know, somebody you know, or yeah. somebody you don't even know personally, but he's just a comedian. You yeah. follow him, they follow you. Yeah. They they they, they go. To, that person is in deep shit right now. Whatever yeah. he's doing. Oh, we know a few but of them. I know, I know, bro. <laughs> they go through their friends list yeah. and start emailing. I got an email. Oh man, you still follow him? Really? You still follow him? Yeah. You see what he what he said. Bro, I know all that stuff, bro. I haven't seen that guy in two years. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's so funny. Like, they're, even now, the the extent of, like, are you doing the right thing from, from the mob, it's like, are you following somebody still? Like, they want to get on you for that. It's fucking ridiculous, man. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It is crazy. And also, if it's something that somebody said, how long do you want someone to get punished for something they said? <laughs> like, really? Like, who is just... We should have a, a big bench, bro, for us. Yeah. A big, uh, what, do, what do you call it when your mom stands to that bench and you cry there for the corner? Yeah, detention or whatever. Detention yeah. or the corner. Put yeah. your nose on the bench, eh? Yeah, yeah. Just fucking sit down for a while. That reminds me, man, of, uh, that really reminds me of that Twilight Zone episode where they have a everybody in one neighborhood and um, they, they're thinking the UFOs there. So so they do, they, they turn off all the power except for one house. Mm-hmm. Now he's the bad guy, yeah. so they all go to his house. So then his lights goes off too, but another house goes. Off. Oh, it was him it was all him. along. And then so these idiots are just going yes. after each other. And then then at the end of these two Martians just fucking with the lights. <laughs> <laughs> I think that those people are honestly like they just have nothing, and this makes them feel like they're contributing. Like the person that goes like, "Are you following that guy?" has nothing going on in their nothing. life. I imagine, because like what they felt good about is that they emailed Felipe Esparza about who he follows on social media, like as if that's a contribution of any kind. You're not doing a fucking thing. You're not doing anything. Like, what are you doing? What you want me to do? Yeah, I mean, and then and then if if you respond, you're right. I'm so I'm gonna unfollow now. Thank you, thank you for doing the right thing. Like, what are you what are you doing with your life? Like, that's what you're contributing who Felipe follows like I don't know man I just it's it's depressing you're just here to get clout yeah clout chasing for sure man I don't even know what that is I don't know either I just heard someone say it I remember one time I I, I had comment on one of Joe Rogan's posts it was neither negative or positive yeah but it was was just enough to get both people yeah like okay like a middle of the road comment yeah yeah and then, in the, and then it got like it got like pretty good, but then like a two. But it goes through like hours where I'll start first like, oh yeah, that's pretty good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the second hour was like, nah. <laughs> then the third one, go back to Mexico. Go back. <laughs> How often do you get that? Is not, that a not comment as much as I should be anymore. <laughs> I, I, I get like. Um, I guess that oh you just live in California stuff, dude. And then is there a whole thing because you know in every community kind of has this this kind of you know I don't know the spectrum of like are there Mexican people who are like you're not Me- like you're not Mexican dude like they're you're not Mexican enough for them. Yeah, I used to be one of those guys. So you, somebody told me that. Really? Yeah. So you would say that to other people? Yeah. Like you're not you're not Mexican dude. Yeah, growing up, like I would see like. People like the, the the Mexicans that were in our neighborhood that were Jehovah Witness, mm-hmm. you know, they never went outside. But I, but in uh, but in my school, they were crazy as hell. Mm-hmm. 
And then like my friend, then they'll be like um, doing positive stuff. Come on, bro, you're not Mexican, bro. You put ketchup on your taco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you would say shit like that to them. Yeah, or they, or they can't eat something because they're sick. Oh, fuck you, man. You're not Mexican. Your doctor not Mexican, man. So you can't eat tortillas no more because you're fat. <laughs> what do you tell you eat bread? <laughs> but you think you think get it like from um, from you know the the younger the younger Latinos, you know? Yeah. As they get the, the younger ones, you know, they start going to school. You know, they got more. Um, they got more things to know, more things to read. They can investigate more. Then they get mad, you know. They, they start going through like um, stuff I said. Like the first time somebody tried to go after me, you know, but they didn't go too far. Was when I, I was supposed to host Tropicalia in Long Beach. Uh-huh. I went. I went from hosting to doing a thirty-minute set to doing fifteen to just doing seven and hurry up and get off. Colostes del Norte trying to get up. Oh, right. But I did jokes that I, I do on stage, you know? But this was like an all-millennial crowd and, you know, Generation X crowd, but most millennials. And there was a white dude in the, in the front by himself and amongst brown people. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing my set. People were laughing. Then I pointed him out. Damn, yeah, man. How did he get to his front? Check his pockets, man. Somebody here about to get shot. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, like, then I, then I started making fun of, like, I said, man. He goes... I don't know a big guy, man, but I'm not, I'm not like those big women that got titties in the back of her back, you know? Yeah. So that was it. Then I went to other stuff and I got off the stage. Some, and it was mostly, um, it was a Latino guy and a Latin triple X woman. And uh, she said, I thought we were supposed to be here for a safe space. I thought this was a place where we all could get together. And Felice, Felipe Esparza points out the only white Caucasian male in the audience. And um, makes him feel bad in front of everybody. Pretty much, he was trying to get him jumped. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> she's no fun, dude. I want us. We should have a a meeting with the promoter or whoever oh put Tropicalia together, so we could. Um, and did they try to talk to you? No. Hell no, that girl has fucking eight followers, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but she had all her friends. You know, her yeah, other yeah. ten. All her other friend with ten followers, <laughs> man. When I was going over my act for the next special in Netflix, yeah, it was a little dark, you know. I think about my mom getting beat up by my dad. Mm-hmm. So I did those jokes in Chicago. Bro, I would never think there was a class like this. There was a class from Crest University or some big university in Chicago. And they take a class called um, um, called um, Sensitivity. And um, I, can't, I can never forget the other word, bro. But what, are the, what is the other word when it's not when there's white people and the rest are just black, Mexican, and Chinese? Diversity. Sensitivity okay. and diversity. Yes. Yes, that is. That's correct. That's how I remember shit, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to paint pictures, big dog. Yeah. So th- this class was diversity and sensitivity. Listen, man, I have a daughter, and if I was paying for college and she took the tech class, I would have sent her home, man. Really? I would have sent her to East LA College. You want diversity? Here it is. You want sensitivity? How do you feel? Yeah, right, right, right. So this class was about sensitivity and diversity, right? So I did my hardcore set. None of those kids liked it, but two girls liked it. Then she emailed me like a super long essay letter, bro, that that my wife had to read, you know, and I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And she said something about, 
basically the 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 base thing of the letter was, can you tell me? Can you give me a little feedback about your life and where you come from, so I could take that back and use that as an argument with the rest of the students because they're all going to be bashing you, and I want something to say about you. Oh, okay. To, to talk about where these jokes come. And yeah. How did you write these jokes? That's interesting that she thought like that. Yeah, and then my wife said, listen, man, he lost. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know, he goes, so you, 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 you're not going to win this fight. Yeah. He goes, it's just you against the whole class. Yeah, just take goes, the L. Just take the L, you yeah. know, just say Felipe, that's Felipe's act. Yeah, too They're bad. They're going to change nothing. Yeah. That's, that's amazing, though, that she was, like, angling for how to defend you. Yeah. Now, in reality, though, how... How rough would you describe your upbringing? Like, well, me, I've like a, a side that um, lies to me and say that it was good. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> but then you know when you're alone at night, you know, um, alone by yourself, and like somewhere by yourself, like in Columbia, Trevorport, Iowa, yeah, or a shitty part, you know, Cedar Rapids, you know, and you start thinking about your life. Oh yeah, I live, I live in a. You watch hardcore movies like City of God, mm -hmm. and you go, okay, my life was similar to that, but not like that. But it was similar? Yeah, my I live in the housing projects of Pico Aliso, Pico Gardens, and Aliso Pico, which was like all housing projects. This is had, East LA? Yeah, Boyle Heights. Mm -hmm. And we had, a, we had an elementary school in the projects, Utah Elementary School. Mm -hmm. Mr. Cornell was the principal, Mr. Cornballs. Mm -hmm. And, and dude, I don't know why, but Mr. Cornell was like a dick, you know? Yeah. Him and Mr. Jefferson, mm -hmm. they would stand at the side entrance of the school and just, just block kids and take all the candy away. Really? Yeah. Mr. Cornell would take everybody's gum and he would just take it all away. Like, it's like, like Gestapo shit that you can't be bringing no candy in school. And, um, and if he caught you chewing gum, he'll make you put your gum on your nose. So you got to walk around with gum on your nose. You see little kids crying and shit, yeah. putting their gum on their How nose. old are the kids he's doing this to? Elementary kids, like oh. nine, ten. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's traumatic to them. I had a teacher named Mr. Edwards. He was missing like three fingers. Like a, he, was, he had like a fingers, and he, he had like a two-by-four, like um, that wrestler. Um, Ho! Yeah, yeah. And um, every time we start, getting, we start yelling and getting loud, he will get that two by four and bang it on his desk real hard like Thor, bro. Like, ah, shut up. <laughs> and then like everybody will get fucked up. You get hit with fucking shrapnel and shit. You get a splinter in your eye. Would you get fucked up to go to school? Like to go to school, like get fucked up, like get high? Yeah. Or, no, I didn't yeah. use drugs till I was 20. 20? Yeah. But I drank when I was 15. Okay. Yeah. Would you drink for school? Budweiser? No, 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 I didn't. Not for school, though. No, man. But I was like, I knew, like, when I was in seventh grade, there was this this guy named um, Brian, and he was from the, the first street cribs of my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with him. I knew him. But I, man, he was one of those dudes that he was already a man, bro, in the seventh grade. Yeah. Like, he would knock you fools out in, that were 30 years old already. Dude. What? <laughs> Like he was big dog, like, <laughs> and he would come in like with a with, with a with a with a with a duck cane and and have a a golf hat in seventh grade. Yeah, a golf hat, bro, like a corduroy golf hat with two little clubs on it, and he have he have like a a Dodger a Dodger blue jacket, and 
He walk up with a duck cane and sit down and wait. What's a duck cane? Well, he had a big old cane, a cane, but the 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 hold the handle of the of the cane uh-huh. was a duck. A duck? Yeah. This is a seventh grader. Yeah. And if you open and they had an opening, you could open the duck, and then there was a little tube to hide stuff. What? What is he? He's twelve. Thirteen. Thirteen. But see, I grew up in Boyle Heights, and there's a lot of factories right there. So. Yeah. They probably broke into a factory. They had a bunch of canes, so oh, the whole he, neighborhood had canes. Oh, really? Yeah, You're just walking around. Okay. So, I remember one day I was sitting there, and I'm always, always, I'm the only friend because I'm the only one from the projects in the class. So you just sitting there, man, like cross leg like this, you know, like a man, man, like just sitting like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> not pay attention to a teacher, you know. Uh-huh. And some stoner dude comes in, like he has really long hair. Mm-hmm. He was a stoner of what they called him back then, you know, Stoner 13. He was from Stoner 13. He, he had a, he wore a jersey, a New Orleans jersey. That, that was their colors. And he had like, that's when I first saw cocaine. He had like a little powder cocaine. And he goes, he showed it to me. And he goes, um, you know, anybody wants to buy it? And me, dude, I'm no drug dealer. But I went to that, that dude, Brian. And I said, man, that guy wants to sell you some coke if you have it. He goes, yeah. Telling him that motherfucker to meet me in the bathroom after the class. And I want to go tell him, hey man, he said you, you, you could meet him in the bathroom after the class. And then he, that guy said, nah, tell him I'm good. <laughs> Didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. knew he was get robbed in the bathroom, bro. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I remember, well, me and this guy named Ronald Page, Ronald Coco, Coco they call him. Uh-huh. Him and I were roasting each other, bro. Like they call it bagging back then. Uh-huh. But like it was just improvised, bro. Making fun of each other's moms, bro. Like yeah. it wasn't even like your mom was so fat. Yeah, it was like fuck you. Your mom got deported, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know your mom is black, you know. <laughs> you know you fucking wet back. You African booty snatchers, you know. You guys eat each other. It was hardcore. <laughs> Seventh, ninth grade, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we had the whole school there. <laughs> You're not black, you know. And he, he bro. He, I fucked him up, but he fucked me up more, right? Yeah, because he knew more about me than I knew about him. Right. That, yeah, that'll help. And um, but the next day, dog, and this I knew I was gonna be a comedian, bro. I went around looking for people that he bagged on before just to take their jokes. Seriously? And you were like, "Hey, what'd you say about? You, oh, how did you fuck him up? Okay, give me that joke, all right?" Yeah. So the next day, bro, I went with fucking ten good jokes that been said about his mom that nobody has, that I didn't know. I found out by a girl that is, that is like she's not a, she used to be a lesbian but not no more. Uh-huh. She got into a fight with his mom in high school and bit her nipple off. So you dropped that on him? Bro, hell yeah, bro! And then I had a you know that red mole I had right here. Uh-huh. He had one in his fucking under his nose, a black one. So what's up, man? How come you have your mom nipple on your lip? Ooh, ooh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And he had like a half. He had like, a, like a, a brother that didn't think so well, you know, man. He was like, um, <laughs> yeah. Back then, you know, he was retarded, man, but not anymore. You know, he was just, I don't know, what, I don't know what they call him now, bro. He was slow. He didn't think so well is another way to he, say it. He was it. slow, bro. Like, he would go in that bus with a Ram helmet, you know, yeah. with a Ram's helmet. And um, I started making fun of him, bro. Yeah. And then I said, bro, what's up with that? I heard you got that fucking... Um, that um, nipple right there on your nose when your mom was making chocolate cookies and one fell on your nose and you went, whoo! And then, um, so he got mad, bro. He got more mad. 
and they, they broke us off. We were losing. And the next day, I tried to make fun of more, more people, but I took it too far. The, um, Brian was standing there laughing like this. So later on in the classroom, bro, I was killing, bro. You saw Brian laughing. He was laughing like this, but I was saying cuz over and over. He yeah. was laughing at this, cuz. You yeah. saw that. He, he was even swinging that fucking duck around and shit. Yeah. He was here, crip walking, laughing. <laughs> bro, somebody that the foil making fun of, you go, I'm gonna go tell that motherfucker right now you said that. So, dude, I thought he wouldn't, I thought he told him, mm-hmm. bro, the next day I didn't go to school, bro. I ditched. Just to not <laughs> run into You didn't want to meet that I, duck. Bro, I've never cut class. I've never went to a ditching party. The next day after school, when I did, when I when I ditched class, and I found out that he didn't go to school either. Man, I went to his neighborhood where he hangs out at with all the crips, yeah, with all the Cadillacs were, just to apologize. I went to go look for. I found a Native American guy named Allen, and he told me where does he live at. He's over there riding my bike. He goes, riding your bike? You, you loaned him your bike? Yeah, two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> he's the kind of dude, bro, that'll ride, hope, like if you loan him your bike, he'll be like kind of asshole that'll ride your bike and then like he'll ride in front of your dad and do a kick warm and then keep going and your dad gotta look at you, that's your bike. That's your bike, oh yeah. Yeah, I loan it to him. A seventh grader. So he was like the, he was like the, he was like Suge Knight or Friday of the neighborhood. Right, right. But in a seventh grade. And you, grade. D- did you, fi- did you apologize to him? I found out that he didn't know shit, so it was cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I bit a bullet in that one, man. <laughs> this is the scariest 12th year old I've ever heard of. I was scared, bro. I was scared. You don't want to meet that duck. He swing that Fuck duck at you. No, man. Yeah, man. Um, he, had, he had another brother, and um, I never saw him again, but I know that on, on Facebook, he's married to a white woman, so he's doing good. So he's doing good. <laughs> He's calmed down, you know. Yeah, yeah. White women will do that to you. They'll calm you down. <laughs> Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. And I'm Elna Baker. And we have a new podcast. It's called Pretty Sure I Can Fly. Yep. We've teamed up with my friends and barmates from Smartless to create a podcast where we talk to folks who have more balls in a bowling alley. People who accomplish something extraordinary despite people telling them that it couldn't or shouldn't be done. You'll hear stories about the Air Force doctor who buckled into a 600-mile-per-hour rocket sled and became the fastest man on the planet. And a man who wrestles alligators and sharks for fun. Do not do this. <laughs> You'll hear about a foul-mouthed moonshiner. Got a two-inch dick and a six-inch tongue and knows how to use both of them. <laughs> and an even more foul-mouthed female stunt pilot. We got bull riders. Balloonists. Bobsledders. And big wave surfers. People who lay their balls on an anvil and hand the other fellow the hammer. Okay. I bet you've actually done that, Johnny. Maybe for sweeps. Follow Pretty Sure I Can Fly on the Wondery app. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Pretty Sure I Can Fly early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because I always wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it an incredible, fast, and easy way to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. You can shop by price, like if you want to find a gift that's $25 and under, or... You can bump your budget filter up to $100 if she really deserves a good gift. You can also filter by category like fragrance, handbags, and more. Macy's also offers gift lists like for moms who have everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. Some of the top gifts are Beats headphones, the Studio Pro models, digital photo frames, Polaroid cameras, or the Samsung Smart TV The Frame. 
Let me tell you something. This makes shopping so much easier. I get panic when I shop. I talked about it with Tom. I only shop for myself. So shopping for other people is really difficult, especially for my mom and Leanne, both mothers. But this is making it a no-brainer. So go to Macy's.com slash gift finder to find the perfect gift for this Mother's Day. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Yeah, man, I grew up in uh, in that type of environment, man. Like, But when you're in it, you don't see it from the outside. You man. think you're it's a, normal. Like you're a part right? of it. Like, we live really far from supermarkets. Mm-hmm. Like, are, are the, you have to go through three bad gang neighborhoods to, like, you can't even walk to to the bonds because um, they, there was a gang that you need to control. This this gang that used to control um Hollenbach Park mm-hmm. in in the neighborhood, and that's like around like a mile from my house. And anybody that would walk through there that was not from there would get chased out. Oh shit! So they were controlling the park, and then like there were a bunch of like border brothers, bro. Wait, then how did you like? You must have entertained the idea of joining a gang, right? There's no way you live in in a neighborhood like this, and when you see gangs, don't you think the gangs are the coolest shit when you're a man, kid? Man, I was hanging around with these guys since I was like 16, yeah, but not really like being involved or being there when it's hardcore. Because they were they were like 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 most kids, we were we were into hip hop, yeah, and break dancing and pop locking, yeah. And going to Sears and shoplifting white gloves, you know. Mm-hmm. So all my friends were good break dancers, windmills, all that shit, pop locky, robot, um, moonwalking. I could never do none of that, man. So I would like I would provide merch, I guess, if you want to see merch. Mm-hmm. Cause my brother, my brother and I would just steal white gloves from you know magician shops or anywhere. We'll sell it to those guys. You sell them to them. I stole some magician gloves. You oh, wanted? my brother would cut up cardboard and sell it to them. Really? But but did you never, did you want to be a gang member? No, I didn't want to, but um, uh, one day I was hanging out with the same guys and they were going around the neighborhood looking for fallouts of the gang to take them to court, you know? Yeah. Why are you hanging out no more? Basically, they were looking for people who haven't hung out no more to, to either jump them out or give them a little beating, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was walking around with them and I got all I got all into it, you know. That I started beating people up too. Yeah, but not even in the gang. So then one day, this the smallest little piece of shit guy from the gang goes, "So what's up, Batman? You want to get jumped to the hood?" And I and I like I didn't know what to do right there. I was like nineteen. Like, how dare this thirteen year old tell me this? Yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> a kid. So I looked to the the side, and there was this guy next to me. This fat dude, I think they call him Grimace, I guess. And I just punched him in the mouth, bro, without looking, without even thinking. And I just started punching two more guys till finally everybody just jumped me. And then you're in the gang? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you were in the gang? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> At 19, bro. I was, I was like, already a veteran. You're, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> so you joined which gang? I was a gang in Boyle Heights. Is there, but like, was it, were you Crips or? or no, like? we're Mexicans. Okay. So like, but. But the, we, we, we um, when I was jumped in, it was Mexican. But when before, when the gang was first started, when they were like in their 10 years old, yeah. 12, 13, 14, they were all, like, they were like half black, half Mexican. Okay. So they were like, they were grandfathered by Crips. Okay. So people would, people would like disrespect them and call them the Mexican Crips. Okay. But they're not. They when I lived, I lived in um, the Rampart Division for a few years. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it fucking sucked. Between uh, Rampart and Alvarado. And there was a big 
gang war at the time. Well, just consistent, I should say, between the 18th Street Gang and uh, Maravilla. I forget MS13. Uh, yes, that's their hood. Yeah. Yeah. So and and they would, you know, they would always like one time that one day I heard I was like, man, that sounded like a fucking grenade went off, and a guy in front of our building had shot a dude in the head with a 45 and then he just put the gun down the ground and sat there and waited for the cops to come the guy that killed him just waited and it was like i mean it was wild wow he must have been ready for an upper managed position in prison <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly because people ask me but like have never heard of shit they're like wait why would he wait i'm like i mean clearly he was comfortable with that life you know he's going he's He's waiting to go to prison. Man, I was in a bus, the RTD bus, and I was going to um, East LA College on the way to do something, probably a show, and I was coming from right here um, on um, Atwater. And I'm just chilling in the back, and then there's, there's these two taggers, and one of them rides on the, on the fucking um, on the, on the bus, and the other one gets up and takes out his 380 pistol and aims it at him. But, you know, he's not a professional, you know. He wasn't raised right, you know. He yeah. was not raised in a farm. Right. You know, how to shoot a gun properly. He thinks he's going to shoot a gun like in, the, like in the movies. Sure. He clocked it back and a bullet came out. And then fucking when he clicked, he, he didn't shoot. It didn't, it didn't click. This is on a bus? On a bus. So, like, that dude ran out of the bus. Then that guy ran out chasing him. Fuck, man. So, I, had to, I, I got out of the bus, too. And I walked to my mom's job because she works at the elementary school and Second Street Elementary School, and I, I want to go tell you, you got to take all these kids in the auditorium right now, because there's a, a guy running around with a gun, running with a guy running around with a gun, looking for another guy, and he might run inside the school. Holy shit, man! Yeah, and that was—I mean, that did that feel routine? That felt. No. I was I was scared, bro, because I was like out of that lifestyle, you know, like yeah. like you know, hey, I live in Atwater now, man. Yeah, and um, but. Like when I live in a neighborhood, like in that neighborhood, like in the housing projects where I was growing up in the early '90s, late '80s, man, they were, they were shooting every single night, man. Like, did that? Did those scare you, or they just became? Nah, I was scaring you a little, but now when, it, when but people who grew up in that neighborhood, they they know how to say, "Oh, that's a forty-five. Yeah, or oh, that's an AK. That's fucking wild. Oh, that's a deuce, deuce. Mm-hmm. Just by the sound. The sound. Yeah. Like I live in a neighborhood where um, uh, marijuana was sold a lot in the early '80s when marijuana was hot. It was called Thailand, mm-hmm. so they sold Thai bud, like big. Like we're talking long stems of Thai stick, mm-hmm. of good weed, and they were selling it there, bro. There was like traffic, like there was a bunch of cars all day long, just to buy that weed, and then that dried out. So then a crack came in, and that's when people started getting shot. And killed. when you say you first, you didn't try any drugs till you're 20. Does that include weed? Like weed, you, crack, everything. So we, you started weed at 20. Yeah, you'd never tried it before. No. And was that the first thing you tried? Yes, I tried weed at a at a at a, my friend's Christmas party. And were you like, uh, were you in love? Yeah. Yeah. Where could we get more? Yeah. Yeah. And then how long until you try crack? Um, I tried crack. When I was 20, 20 and one, 21 years do you, old. Do you remember, like, most people hear the word and they're like, I don't, like, were you excited to try it? Or were you hesitant? Were no, you I like, was bummed out. I was depressed. You were de- okay. I was sad because my brother was just shot. Mm-hmm. 
My brother was just shot, and two of my friends were murdered, you know, and another guy was killed, was shot, and my brother was like in a hospital, you know. So you were really sad. I was sad, and um, I was hanging out with somebody that that does that smokes a lot of crack, mm-hmm. and then normally like I, I was stand, I would just, I was that dude, bro. Like, I would like hang out with people that smoke a lot of crack but don't want to go look for it. Right. So whenever they need it, just tap me on the shoulder and go. And I just give them, give me the money. So one day he goes, I, I got you, bro. I just put it on a table and I started smoking with him and stood up for like four days straight. Four days straight? Fuck, that's quite a binge. Yeah. And I don't know if it, the only thing I've heard described is that it's the be- it's super intense. Like it's it's you never great. done it? No, I never did it. But but that the high wears off pretty quickly. Oh man, it's like a, it's like um ejaculating bro really you're horny again right away wow so you just can't get enough of it. no man it, it's like it's like the first one is like the best you know like you're up there like <sighs> yeah man and then like and then after they're just chasing the dragon man the whole time scraping a pipe yeah doing hardcore shit four days was your was that was your first no my my the longest i've been up was five days yeah, man. Like, I didn't even know, man. Like, I was at a comedy show in Montebello, California. Shout out to Wild Coyotes. This is during your five-day binge? Yeah, I was at Wild Coyotes. I started on Wednesday night. I met a guy there that I haven't seen in years, bro. Yeah. Like, like you know, I ran up to him, bro. I, I'm not the type of person that'll remember somebody by bad stuff that happened to him. So I say the wrong thing all the time sometimes. I gotta stop myself. Bro, I know you, bro. You're the guy that went to that fucking motel room with those chicks and the other comedians and the girl stole your watch and she was wearing it the next day at the club and she was bragging about it. <laughs> and they're like, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, she came the next day, bro. She was holding the watch. Fuck that fool. <laughs> Trying to tie with all bad and shit. And she was dancing with it uh-huh. at the club. Showing people. And he got embarrassed. Of course. In front of everybody. Yeah. So um, he went. He still he wanted a party, and I wanted a party. And he has drugs, so we went to his place, and we just started partying, man. Like, but I never I never partied like this, you know, like dangerous partying. I could have died. Yeah, because we were doing Xanax too. Oh yeah. He goes, that's... what is? I don't know what is that for, bro. Nah, bro, that's just slow down your heart, eh? <laughs> slow down your heart, eh? <laughs> it's good so for I you, didn't dog. Know. He thought I was gonna put the whole thing inside. He goes, "No, hey, you gotta, you gotta do a little piece, oh, a little piece. What's that gonna do? <laughs> Slow so, it down a little bit, dog." So three days later, dog. <laughs> three days later, my wife, my wife, my girlfriend at the time picks me up. I didn't even know it, bro. My whole chest, I have saliva coming down my mouth. You know, everything is numb. I didn't even know this drug, but that was the last time, man. That was the last time. Yeah, I was. I was, I was up for five days, so. How, how old were you when that went down? I was out doing, still doing comedy, bro, 2006. Okay. 2007. I haven't done none of that shit since 2009 when I quit. And how, was quitting, I mean, all you hear about is how addictive these things are. Oh, man. So how was quitting? Quitting is tough, man, because, you know, as a comedian, you know, especially whenever you know you like to party. Yeah, exactly. So you got to keep away from those people, you know, that want to party. Sure. You know? So I would go to a club and I would say, no, no, no beer, no drink, no nothing. And then I'd just leave after the show and I'd go home and just smoke weed. Yeah. Smoke weed will, weed will carry you through a lot of it. Yeah, man. I think they should have a, uh, instead of alcohol anonymous, they should have a, 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 a meetings 
for just potheads, bro, who don't want to use hardcore drugs yes. or drink beer or be scandalous, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did, uh, did, did you have withdrawals? No, you get depressed a lot, you know? It's because like, you're missing it, you're right? You're missing it. And, you know, you, you were up so, so high. Now you're so low, low. Yeah. You feel like a loser, man. Like you're a piece of shit. But. You cry a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you cry a lot by yourself. You think about the bad stuff you did, you know. You think about um, people you've hurt. Yeah. If you get past that, for the, it's the hardest of the three, first three days. If those three days of thinking about bad stuff, people you 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 done wrong, if you get past that, the first three days, you're gonna be okay, man. The next, the next, the next couple of days are just one day at a time. After that, a lot of people don't quit because they don't. They think about everything that happened, they ever done. You know what, man? Some this is the advice I gave um to my daughter. My daughter was like strung out one night, and then she was coming down, and then she was telling me, you know, I, I feel so bad. What should I do? Listen. Right now, everything you're thinking about right now, no one is thinking that about you. Only you are. Yeah. Only you knew you were destroying yourself. Now I know. But I'm the only person that knows that. Take a big hot shower, read a book, do some push-ups, take a nap, because the next day you're going to feel the same way again. Mm-hmm. That's good advice, man. That's good advice. Because, you know, if you think, you're thinking about it, you're going to cry, you're going to go back to shooting up or whatever the next level, man. Yeah. You got to switch your mentality on it. Or cry, man. Yeah, that helps too. Go to a little corner, man, and put your hand up and go. <laughs> yeah. I feel better after a good cry. Me too, man. Yeah. Start playing um start playing fucking um Neil Young old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll pull tears. <laughs> that was made to cry. Yeah. And then when you find out when you fuck when I when that thought used to make me cry, bro, like whatever. Oh man, take a look at myself. I'm yeah. alive like 25 and there's so much more but then when you like i, I read, I, read a, I saw an interview of new young talking about it how we why he wrote the song and i'm looking at him going come on motherfucker that song has nothing to do with that rancher is that what it's about he said the song is about um he bought a farm when he was 25 27 after he blew up in california somewhere but there was people already working the farm from the previous owner uh-huh so they were like, because they were grandfathered into the farm. Yeah. But there was an old guy there that's been there forever, two owners before. So the story is about the old guy that's been living at that farm and taking care of the it's farm. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it makes, it is an emotional song. Yeah. Yeah. You start thinking about it and shit. Am I, am I a shitty dad or? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Jesus, man. What can you do, man? Like, you have kids, right? Yeah, two kids. How old are they? One will be. One's five. The other one is uh, almost three. A couple months wow. away. Yeah. My wife and I, we were trying to have a, a baby. We had our own podcast called uh, Enchilada Casserole. Mm-hmm. My wife and I. And now and 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 we talked about like not, not comedy stuff. We just talked about our stuff. Yeah. We were trying to get a baby. And she had like three miscarriages. Uh-huh. But um, dude, man, the first one, the second one was like, you feel the heartbeat. Bum, 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 bum. Then you come back a month later and you don't hear that shit. Yeah, devastating. It's devastating. So then we went back a third time, but this time the baby was—I don't know what they call it—stillborn. Yeah, where you there was no heartbeat, there yeah. was nothing, but it's still there, and you gotta still push, pull it out. Yeah, I was driving to Oxnard when that thing was gonna come out. 
because you know, she had, she had a miscarriage. Yeah. But it's, she's, she's, it's coming out, bro, while we're driving. And I'm trying to get to Oxnard to take her to the hotel, go to the show. Bro, it felt like Reservoir Dogs, bro. For real, it felt like I was fucking uh, Harvey Keitel telling my wife, Tim Roth, you're not going to die. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm giving, and I'm passing her, bro. Um, be, um, we have these, 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 luckily we brought these, um, these adult diapers. Bro, they're getting fucking soaked, bro, in the car. Like, if the, the, we would have got pulled over, they would have like, did you stab this woman? Yeah. And it was exactly like that, dog. And this was between her legs and her stomach, bro. She was losing the baby in the car on the way to the show. Holy shit, man. So mad to go drop her off and um Where at the hotel? At the hotel and with my two rabbits and uh, my stepson and I went to go do the show. Wait, your stepson was there too? Yeah, he was in the back, like trying to be cool, you know, with headphones. With his headphones on. Yeah. And there's rabbits in the car? Yeah, they're in the back, you know, chilling too. This is a wild scene, man. Yeah, man. You're gonna be all right, but I'm like this. But driving, bro, fucking the blood smell, bro. Smell like fisherman wharf and shit. Yeah, poor woman. Oh I my know, god, man. she survived that shit. And then she just like, was she okay in the hotel? Yeah, she was okay, man. But um, what happens is that you feel contractions, but there's no baby, right? So it must be painful, dog. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's so sad, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. But. You know, she got a hysterectomy. Everything's cool, man. And my daughter ha- had a son, and we're, we we watch him now. So oh, that's cool. It was a blessing. How old your How old your? Uh, he's two. He's two. He was born in Sweden. Really? Yeah. My wife, my my daughter, was living in Sweden with her man. Mm-hmm. She lived over there for two years in Sweden. Yeah. Wow. So she speaks. My son speaks. My 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 grandson speaks Swedish. English. So he's kind of confused right now in school. Sure. Yeah. That's normal. Yeah. That's yeah, so I get to see my daughter every day now. So she lives in the valley. and That's dope, man. We didn't grow up together, so. You did not? Nah. But now you get to see her all the time. Not to see her all the time, man. And you have a grandson. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and I, might, I might end up getting custody of him. Really? Yeah, cause my, my, I don't want to bring down the show. My, my daughter has um, terminal breast cancer. Uh, bro, all this hit me in a pandemic, bro. Like during a pandemic, I found out that my wife is my, my wife, my mom, she has like Alzheimer's or she's yeah. losing her mind. Yeah. But it, it's funny when like everyone when you I have brothers, I don't know if you have brothers. I have two sisters. But they get so over dramatic, you know, but when shit goes bad, you need to come over here right now. Yeah. I get there, my mom knows who I am. Felipe, how you been? Como estás, mijo? Chuito. Yeah. She called me Chuito. So my real name is Felipe de Jesus. Mm-hmm. But nobody in my house calls me Felipe. So I had to deal with that. And um, then my mom, she got vaccinated. But um, my daughter was a hardcore one because we're on Zoom. And, you know, she tells me that um, she has cancer. And, and it's already spread to her bones, you know. And, and, you know, there's not much we could do, you know, but just slow it down right now. Yeah. And so they gave her, like, already years. So, like, we have good times, you know. But there's, there's times, you know, when we have to get serious. That's the hard part, you know, because of course. like last week she told me, my doctor told me that I got to sign my son over to you guys. And, then I, and I'm worried about, how about, his, how about his father, you know, like he had a father too, you know, is he, he going to release him to me? Because yeah. I don't want to have this cross-country custody battle when you're gone, you know. 
or I want to be say like he. I don't, I don't want drama, bro. Because you know, yeah. If the internet finds out, Felipe stole a baby. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah that's gonna. <laughs> Not without my child, you yeah. know. Yeah. So this is like stuff that I'm dealing with, you know. But um, my daughter has a super personality. Mm-hmm. She's like a gangster. She's like me, you know. Mm-hmm. She's just the same personality, but a woman. Yeah. And um, we get along fine. You know. I'm so sorry to hear that, man. Oh man, thanks, Tom. But we're 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 um, we're good, man, and uh, we're happy. Good. My, my daughter is super happy, and and the um, and the the dad's not gonna no fight you on that? My, my son my stepson my grandson talks to his dad on Zoom. I'm not gonna take away that from here, man. Of course, of I'm course. not gonna make sure his um I'm gonna make sure keep his dad involved, you know, as long as he can, you know, or to one day, you know, he says I can, I start another family, whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be there, you know. I'm gonna make sure his dad sees him because I didn't see my daughter growing up. Yeah, yeah. So, man, that's that's heavy. It is, really, man. Really crazy shit, huh? Yeah, very, very crazy shit. Um, and we still gotta say jokes, though. I know. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have... 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I, uh, well, I was actually thinking about you because I was thinking about the fact that with your life, like how crazy it is. Like if you told a 18 year old or 15 year old Felipe what your life is now, I bet that kid wouldn't believe it. Right. He'll like, say, stupid. <laughs> yeah. You're a fat ass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? What was I doing at 15? Virgin, jerking off to um, green porn. Green? You know, the shrivel porn? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the scramble shit? Bro. Spice so, Channel? Bro, they, Playboy After Dark used to come out on Tuesday nights. Yeah. Right after the Cheers reruns at midnight. And, and, and um, no one had cable, you know, housing projects. But there was one channel that looked scrambled. Uh-huh. And um, and with the right extension cord and the right antenna, you could see half a ass here. Yeah. And, bro, I used to want to watch it, but I couldn't because I don't have a TV. Bro, I used to walk around asking my friend, bro, can I buy an extension cord? Go, why do you want to buy an extension cord? Come on, I'm going to bring in a 19-inch color TV all the way to my, inside my, on top of my bed. And, they, and, and I got to plug it into the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where you. So I'm like watching a porno like this, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, my brother in the bunk bed and shit, hearing me, hearing this. <laughs> it's weird, man. Like when you sleep with somebody, you know. I don't know if you ever slept with somebody, and then they start jerking off, man. They, <laughs> yeah. they break your ribs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We used to be. We used to get in. Uh, my friend Dan and I, when I was uh, living in Minneapolis as a kid. I would go over to his house. We'd have sleepovers and we'd get in sleeping bags next to each other. We'd watch bullshit, like just movies and stuff. But then late night, we would put on the Spice Channel, mm-hmm. which was the porn channel. And it would come in scrambled and you would just wait for a few frames because sometimes it would just, you'd see the titty or something and you'd just start. And, but we'd be next to each other, but not, you know, you'd try to keep it. You could just feel the sleeping bag moving. Yeah. And then every once in a while, his dad would order a movie on Spice and then it would be playing for us and then it would just be a comeback like we would just 
jerk off all night. We're like 10 years old, though. Wow, that's yeah. early, bro. Yeah. I had a jerk off till I was like in junior high, 13. Dude, I jerked off for the first time when I was like six. Really? Yeah. I didn't know, bro. Did it's get... definitely not good. How did you find, how did you know that you could do that? Somebody told I, you? On accident. Oh. And I also didn't know what I was doing. Like, even when I was, I would like hump the mattress and eventually have an orgasm, but not know that that's an orgasm. Mm. And also there, at that age, there's no, nothing comes out. So I was just like, I would, I remember telling my cousin, like, do you do that thing where you like rub your dick against things and then you have this really great feeling? And he was like, what? And <laughs> I was like trying to explain, cause I didn't have the knowledge to know what I'm doing. I know, man. I just was doing it. I remember some kid told me that he, he was jerking off, but I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. And he said, he told me he had a lot of like, leftover cum or something but i don't know what he was talking about <laughs> so one day man i looked at my penis and i saw all this white stuff on it uh-huh. and i and i and, and i didn't know what it was yeah so i told my mom mom look i got all this queso fresco right here <laughs> on my penis i got all this zeta cheese right here uh-huh. dude I, I and i busted that shit on the dinner table bro like it was just me and my mom and you pull your dick out I just pull my pants on look mom i don't know what this is i pull those skin back what i didn't know Nobody told me you gotta clean your inside your penis. Holy shit. So my mom took, grabbed me by the hand and dragged me to the bathroom and she got some hot water and she cleaned that motherfucker, bro. Really? How old were you? Oh, I, I don't know, like 11, 12. Yeah, yeah. Got a hard time when she was doing it. Uh huh. Oh, really? <laughs> I remember how fucking. Yeah, when, you, when someone doesn't tell you that it's normal too, how that fucks you up. Like my dad could have fucked. Like, I remember one time I jerked off in the shower and I, I knew what I, I was still young. I was like, let's say 11, but I wanted to like, under, like I wanted to know this was okay. So I go up to him. I was like, Hey, uh, I was just in the shower and, uh, I was just washing myself and then I washed, you know, like my privates cause I'm trying to like say it to him and I go and like all this stuff came out. And then I just look at him and he was like, next time don't wash so long. And he just turned around and I was like, and then one time I go, I straight up was like, um, do do you masturbate? And he was like, no. And I go, did you ever? And he goes once when I was 16. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I just go to my room thinking, well, I guess you're not supposed to masturbate because he did it once when he was 16. I'm doing it fucking three times, five times a day. You know, no wow. help, none. I mean, he could give a little advice, you know, get it sideways. You yeah, know? he could have given me different grips. He'd been like, have you tried holding your balls and pulling yeah. on them? If have you tried really, juggling them when you jerk off? Yeah, or like push on your own taint. You got a prostate. Have you, have, have you, have you tried holding back and then releasing? <laughs> get real close and then stop and let it build up. My first, I guess my first time I got involved. Thanks, ball, Dad. That's us. <laughs> the first time I got involved with porn, I think, I found a book. Yeah, it was literature, and I started reading it, and I started getting horny, you know, like yeah. really horny. And it's literature you're reading. Yeah, it was all porno stories. It was bestiality, bro. What? It was a. I didn't even know, but I could tell you right now, it was bestiality. But not growing up, I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it was like this. It starts off, this woman, she's like, there was. I was in a barn, and <sighs> there was a horse there, right? Uh-huh. And then she started like. I don't know how how these guys like how do you go from you know learning about Shakespeare and then writing some hardcore bestiality stories yeah yeah 
and this woman was having sex with a horse, and she was having a good time. It was really well written, bro. Like Nobel Peace Prize shit. <laughs> and um, but and I was a child, bro. Like I was like my mom busted. She found a book, bro. Yeah, she I found it. I my cousin that was staying with us. He didn't even fucking speak English. <laughs> But my, my mom should have been proud, bro, that yeah. reading at that level, bro. Reading a book with no pictures, finally. Yeah, exactly. Finally. Bro, I don't even know Did you get You got are. worked up by it? You Fuck were... yeah, bro. Fuck yeah. Yeah, you were like this. Because I was all reading it slow, and then I was like, I'll rewind and read again. Yeah. <laughs> rewind it. It's a book. But, <laughs> go back to the page. Yeah, yeah. But it was um woman having a horse, having a dog, and I don't know what else, donkey. Jesus. Yeah, it was like different, like like um, hustler stories, I guess. And then did this is kind of weird. Like, did it make you want to like explore bestiality? No, no. It just it was made me explore those type of women. Like, yeah, that shit, bro. like nasty, trashy ass yeah. broads. <laughs> like <laughs> that are fucking donkeys. I remember, I because where I grew up, there's a lot of factories, you know, like warehouses. Uh-huh. So we would we go dig into trash bins, bro. When we were in, for summer school, like for summer class. No, yeah, like, summer vacation. When we're 12, 10, we would get a shopping cart and we'd just push it all the way to the factories and go inside the trash and we'll find magazines like Jugs. You yeah, know? sure. And I remember we found a magazine named Jugs. There was a receptionist that used to work on Anderson mm-hmm. and, um, and, and 6th Street. And she had big old fucking titties, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, like Dolly Parton, but bigger, man. Yeah. And we used to open the door just to see her look up. Oh, right. And we were the kids, bro. Yeah. And you leave. She had those big old tits. I told my friend, open that door, bro. There's a lady there, a white lady there with big ass titties. <laughs> then my friend will open the door. And it's, a, it's, it's a business, bro. Right. It's a reception. Like, we're out here, bro, yeah, at the yeah. park. Yeah. And then some kids, the random guy opened the door. You told you she had big titties. <laughs> Dude, do you remember how great just seeing tits used to be? 14 just years tits. old, man. Man, it was amazing. I mean, cleavage would do it for you. Like, you'd just see, like, like the lady at the desk or whatever. You'd see someone with just, you didn't have to see them naked. You'd just be like, wow, just like, tits would do it for you. Like, I grew up, man. Now I got to see someone step on a chick's neck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Spit in my mouth. Oh, yeah. I remember, um, like, when you were a little kid, like, you remember every movie where big boobs showed up. Yeah. Oh yeah, like you know, man. I was watching. I was. I was. Um. There was a guy at my show, and he was wearing a fucking commando shirt, right? Yeah. Fucking Ronald Schwarzenegger, and yeah. I just looked at him, bro. Best scene ever, huh, bro? When he's fighting that black dude, and he crashes through the building, and like a girl with big old big tits shows up. Ah! Yeah, yeah. You use those little moments, and then you'd be like, "That's that's worth the ticket." Just yeah, the, man. Just the titty shot. She has skinny legs too. What was the uh, what was the one the famous one where the girl in the red bikinis getting out of the pool? Remember that? That Phoebe Cates. Yes, yes. Fast time at Richmond High. Oh, fast time, yeah. You get like, caught jerking off, Judge yeah. Reinhold. Yeah. And Don't you knock? Yeah, just that though. Just that. You're like that's the movie. Yeah, man. A movie like that, hard bodies. Or remember? Uh, do you remember Basic Instinct? Yes. Oh man. That yeah. little the leg move. Oh God, the leg move, and also she had like five sex scenes in that movie. I didn't realize until lately she did some interview where she said that the casting person or one of the producers, somebody on that film, was like, "You know, you were our thirteenth choice." Like, 
12 other actresses passed on this role. Like somebody was really mean to her, she was saying, on that set. But man, she was amazing in that movie. She was amazing, man. Yeah, and her body was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. In another movie too, Arnold Schwarzenegger too. Just that one scene, yeah, you yeah. remember her. Oh yeah. You remember she, those gray eyes. She was badass, man. She looks actually pretty remarkable now. Even, even I was even turned on when she was crying for her son in Alpha Dog. <laughs> when she was crying for him, you know, when she her son was missing, uh -huh. she got nominated for that act for the Academy Award. Uh -huh. She just played a beat up woman that's sad. You yeah, know, you were turned on though, bro. You go in there, Captain Save a Ho, bro. Yeah, yeah. It, that that that's a real feeling. I want to save this person. Yeah, that yeah, can drive you for sure, man. For sure. I've always been that guy, man. Like. Come in at the end, you know, when the chips are down for a woman. You, you like that? Like rescue? Yeah, man. I'm not that, I'm not that penis in the cupboard, bro. <laughs> right. Did you wait? Is, is, is that how you met your lady now? Every woman I've ever dated, bro. You have a mother and dad? Yes. Okay. Does Christina have a mother and dad? Well, her mother passed away. But she grew up with mother and dad her whole life? Uh, not her whole, no, they, they divorced when she was very young. See, my wife too. Yeah. Her dad split when she was 14. A fool got his check after work and never came back. Wow. Yeah, so I look back at every woman I ever dated before her grew up with no dad. And the women's, the women that I dated that had a dad and a parent, we never worked it out. Really? Yeah, I guess they were raised different because I, I came in with a son in a relationship already. Yeah. And the, once a woman that I dated, I found out that she had a mother and a father together still, they always never stuck around that long. Really? It's weird, huh? No, but it makes sense. But why is that? Like we don't because, pick them out, right? It just no, happens. No, but it right? happens on a on a deeper level. Like, why? I think it's that people are are drawn towards people. No, usually, for the most, like, this isn't a blanket statement, but generalization. You're drawn towards people who have similar experiences, similar traumas, similar almost psychological makeups. Sometimes it's just that you mesh together. If you're like, I didn't have this kind of parent. I didn't also this feels familiar because what we're all drawn to is familiarity. Yeah. You know, something it's like, it's why some dude from the projects, you know, the same projects, you could just meet them today. And all of a sudden you guys like have this violent, everyone's like, why do they get along so well? Cause we we're familiar to each other. Yeah. He you know, grew up in the printer parks. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you, the same things that you're used to, he's used to, and then you just click. And I think with the opposite sex with attraction, it works a lot the same way. You just kind of go like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, yeah, I was raised Catholic. Yeah, me too. You know, people, it, it, even if you're not like religious, you're like culturally, we're, we are familiar to each yeah. other. Things like that. I think that's why. I mean, I think it makes sense even that you go people with like certain upbringing, it just didn't mesh. It didn't, it probably for her the same, like the same thing where she's like, on some level, this doesn't feel familiar. It doesn't feel right, you know? Because yeah. I, I, I kind of feel the same thing where um, I, I catch myself you know, really clicking with somebody like Bert and I, for instance, who yeah. do this podcast normally, we have a similar upbringing. Like we never, we don't even normally discuss it, but we have a, a very similar, like, you know, even though I have the foreign mom stuff, like same kind of dad, same type of upbringing, Catholic school, all, all that stuff where you go, you, it's like you can speak a shorthand with the person. Yeah. You know, you don't have to explain every thought or something. It's just like, it feels normal. I don't know. That's how, what I think. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Felipe, I, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm so sad about your daughter. You told me that. I, I really just, I'm sorry, man. Oh, thank you, man. I, I, I don't mean to like 
bum you out, but I, I'm, I, I haven't stopped thinking about it. So oh, I, it's okay. Um, it, it was though super fun outside of that to yeah. hang out with you today. It's been a long time. Sorry, I brought it up. No, I'm. I, don't be sorry you brought <laughs> it up. I, uh, I, <laughs> guys, stop it. I, that was the weirdest stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I uh, I no I'm just, I'm a big fan and like you know I one of the things that I realized over the course of this pandemic is how much I just love hanging out with comics. Me so, you too. Know, I took it for granted. You know, you go to the store, you go to the improv, you go to the ha whatever you ice house. You just see guys and like we have, for instance, what I'm just talking about that familiarity, that shorthand. You as a comedian, I feel like I have it with comedians. I can just like what's up you know you catch up on the road yes. how's the show how's all the stuff and it feels good to see comics again you know like, like give me the goosebumps because you're so right you know i get the chills my nipples are hard because a lot of, a lot of people like the, the fans ask so how come you never hang around with this guy how come you never see with this guy and i and i and I, this is the answer i always tell them listen bro you might not see me with tom you know might, might not see me with bird or you know might see me with joey or you know or, or whoever you know um lunell you know yeah. or cheryl underwood these comedians but let me tell you something. We might not do the same shows, but if we're at the same flight, you're gonna see it all together. Yep. You're gonna see show. You're gonna see it all together, sitting on the same table. Maybe not even. Maybe not talking, but we're together in a whole group. Yep. I was. I met Kevin Kneeling on the on the plane, and uh, we're just walking, and I just started talking to him because I did his show, but I thought that was just it. We're just gonna talk goodbye. Yeah. But he started walking with me. So okay, well, you want to walk with me? We walk with me. Then we started walking, and we saw Burke, we saw um, Bill Burr mm -hmm. and Dion Hughley. All at the airport. Yeah, yeah. Brad Williams. Yeah. And but this before we saw them, we saw only the Dice Man. Yeah. And my friend Rodrigo Torres, my co-host, this motherfucker went to the phone, and 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 um, and page the Dice Man by real name. Really. Just to fuck with him? Yeah. Andrews, whatever his name is, yeah. Schleschlinger, yeah. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Schlotzky, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, bro, and he's walking around like he's a body, like a security guard at a rave, bro. Really? He's wearing combat boots, black black shants, a yeah. black cutoff t-shirt, his hat. And then, like, he's looking at Eleanor, and I, I'm not standing next to him. Eleanor, I don't know what's going on. They want me to talk over there. Um, I think they want to take away my miles. But it was my friend Rodrigo paging him. Holy Andrew shit. Silverstein, please report <laughs> on Gate Five. Andrew Silverstein. So then you still walking over like the <laughs> dice fourth man. name. Yeah. And they go over there and and he finds out it was us. Yeah. And then um he sees us sitting down and um he goes he looks up at Rodrigo. Hey, you like play practical jokes? So don't forget, I'm the biggest practical joker there is. And I'm like thinking, nah, I think you got top that one, dice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to book him for a show and not pay him. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> you would have to replace him for wheels. Oh shit. <laughs> the uh, the airport the airport like comedy community that thing it's the, best. it's the best. Those Sunday, I remember the Sundays. Yeah. You're um connecting in Detroit, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, and you start just seeing people like, hey, there's fucking Bruce Bruce, and there's Joey, and like you start running into people. And by the way, Neilan is the best. That yeah. dude's so awesome. He's such a great guy. But yeah, that that Tom Pablo was there too, man. Because I remember calling him Sinatra on the way in with a hat. Yeah, yeah. He's another great one, man. Another great guy. Um. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming in. Um, you having me, man. And don't forget to uh, follow Felipe. Here. Huh? 
When will they air? Uh, it's, I don't know, a few weeks. Okay, We're cool. banking a few, but where do people follow you? Follow me at uh, philippesworld.com. Um, future dates. I'm going to be at the Tempe Improv in July. And I'm uh, Ontario Improv, New Year's Eve. Perfect. Yeah. That's going to be perfect. It's going to be a blowout. Uh, thanks, brother. Thanks for having me, bro. Bert and Tom, Tom and Bert. One goes topless while the other wears a shirt. Tom tells stories and Bert's the machine. There's not a chance in hell that they'll keep it clean. Here's what we call Two Bears, One Cave. No scripts, a bit of booze, amateur partology. Dirty jokes, raunchy humor, no apologies. Here's what we call Two Bears, One Cave.